Welcome in. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel. He's Dave Simone. A little two-parter today as we'll uh, we'll go football early with Dave, and then Justin Berg will pop in about halfway through, and we'll talk a little basketball. Unfortunately, not a ton to talk about on the the basketball front as the team is paused. Activities are paused right now with. Uh, the ECU game on Saturday being postponed and now uh, looking at, or excuse me, on Wednesday being postponed and now the game with Tulane on Saturday postponed as well. Not sure when that is going to fire back up. I know they have not been able to practice uh, since the Wichita State game. So, uh, yeah, we'll get to that plenty on the back half of the show, but for now, Dave and I chat a little football here on the first half. I know people are they're clamoring for football content, Dave. So we're going to give it to them. Oh, always. <laughs> uh, Marcus Freeman off to Notre Dame. The search for a defensive coordinator is uh, ongoing. We are at a week uh, tomorrow since Freeman departed. Um. I don't expect anything this weekend because I believe the boss man is uh, in Florida uh, on a little getaway with the wife since everybody got vacation right after the bowl game and Fickle was uh, hopping around the country trying to uh, solidify his roster for 2021. So he popped out for the weekend, I think. So if anything, it'll probably be early next week. Um Let's let's get into the the replacement side of things, Dave. Um, I, I I have gotten to the point where I am. The, the farther we get into this, uh, give me whoever has the most experience. Give me whoever uh, is a veteran at calling defenses and running defenses. This is for me right now a one year deal. You got a one year window to make as big a splash as you can possibly make things are going to look substantially different in 2022. Um, I'm in win, win, win now mode. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I think now that we're to this point and no one has been announced, I think you can scratch off the internal candidates and I think I don't know that that's I don't I don't know that I would necessarily scratch them off because I mean you're what if it ends up that person is second or third on the list and you get well, to second or third on the list sure is what I would say I guess true um, I guess as the being the, the main candidate the yeah. leading candidate yeah I think that's fair uh, and I think you know based on what you've said and just kind of the timing of things would lend you to the belief that Chris Ash is somewhere near the top. I don't know if, you know, first, maybe second, maybe. But it seems pretty clear that a lot of his interest also lies with what happens with Urban Meyer and the Jaguars, maybe what happens with Dan Mullen and the University of Florida. There's been reports that, 
they might be interested in him as being a co-defensive coordinator. Uh, that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, yeah, I'm just saying like. No, I'm just I'm just talking about it. that. Yeah. That one. That one seems really odd. You're going to go and work with the guy that was the D.C. last year. And be the co-DC like that. That one seems really odd. Right. Like, are are you go, like, are they stripping play calling from Todd Grantham, and then he's staying there to be the co-DC, and you're coming in, and you're now calling the plays? Like, that doesn't seem like a Todd Grantham thing. That his personality would be very gung ho about. Um, right. So then, are you going there to not call plays? You just want to coach with Dan Mullen, like? <laughs> I would question you as a human being um, if that if you're like yes yeah, sign me up for that when I have other options uh, so right like I would think full control loaded defense top 10 team would be more enticing even though it is the SEC and they probably pay more money but I have a feeling money is not really a deal to Chris Ash. I mean, he got a bunch of buyout money for getting fired at Rutgers. He coached at Texas. He coached at Ohio State. Like, I can't imagine that. Yeah, I heard something from one of the, the from our Texas site, I think, that uh, he's going to get that money from Texas. He's going to get that full buyout regardless of, like, where he ends up next year. Right. So, And if you're looking to get back to being a head coach, you're, you're going to be the co-DC with Grantham at Florida? Like, right. I mean, I guess it it probably just comes down to: Do you have any aspirations of coaching in the NFL at any point? Because if you do, this is your jumping in moment. Yeah. And you could always go back to college. Like I have a hard time believing that if it doesn't work with the Jags, or he just doesn't, it's just not his thing, that he couldn't just go back and be the DC somewhere in college. Right. Whereas, you might not get another chance to go to the NFL uh, because of his relationship with Urban, and it's pretty clear Urban thinks very highly of him. So if, if you want to try that, this is the chance to do it. So I don't really blame him if that's what he wants to do. I mean, not everybody right, every, wants to coach in college for their entire life. Everybody's w running their own race. I, th and, I think that is uh, often forgotten these days. And, and Ash is Ash is only forty seven. Like well, and just the fact of like he can go back to college if he wants to. Right. The question, I guess, there would be: Are you ready to just be a safeties coach or a defensive backs coach? Because he's not going to to Jacksonville as a defensive coordinator. No. Oh no. But you have to if you're going to the NFL. You have you weren't going to go right as a coordinator anyway. So you understand like this is where I need to jump in at. And if we're really successful in two, three years, then maybe I can be a D coordinator then. Right. So that's kind of, I think that's where there's a holding pattern on things is figuring out what the, the path forward for Chris Ash is. Uh, is it interesting to you that Cincinnati's getting very little mention with him? Or is that just because we don't blast everything out for the world to see? Uh, like a place like Florida does? Um, I think I, I think twofold that is one. I just like Luke just doesn't talk. Yeah, he doesn't talk about any of this stuff. And 
other schools, other coaches don't have a pro- like because you're not worried about like if you're in other these other schools, you're not worried about like oh yeah, we're interested in so and so coach. Are you gonna come right. steal him? You gonna come give him more money than we are? Okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> right. You know, it's it's like it's kind of almost like the transfer portal. Like we want to keep our guys quiet because if Cincinnati's interested in them, well, then they must be pretty damn good. And we'll go flash our locker rooms and putting greens and water slides and everything and try to and try to steal them in, at you know at the twenty fourth hour. So I just or, think the way Luke is too. I mean, he's just not gonna. He doesn't need. He's not gonna talk about it. I, I can confirm he does not do that. <laughs> that's uh, that's always the the interesting part. Believe me, if he was talking about it, Pete Thamel would have <laughs> right. Wrong. Like if he right, even if it was just like hearing that these names could be linked to the Cincinnati defensive coordinator job. Like you're not even hearing that. Like. So he's clearly yeah. not talking about it to really anybody. No, I mean I'm I'm confident in the list I put out there, but info is at a premium. <laughs> info is very much at a premium on uh, on how this is going to play out. So uh, for now we wait, which you know we're good at. It, yeah. It's been it's been interesting, not like getting back into the coordinator search business because we just haven't had much of that any of that for a while um, and it's just a harder harder deal to much. get into anyway just because candidates don't want their name out there and right well what you subtract is you subtract agents talking because agents don't want to hurt the money that's already in place right if it doesn't happen you know head coaching stuff gets out and as long as you're staying there's no harm no foul yeah if it gets out that you're looking to leave and you end up not getting the job as a, an assistant that's not great yeah like if you're a successful head coach and you're interviewing it's not like like if luke's interviewing for another job it's not like john cunningham's gonna go oh you interviewed with so-and-so you're out of here like you're right. bet- you betrayed us <laughs> that's not happening but if your coordinators are doing it being all sneaky it's a different story very much or so. it can be or a position yeah. coach or something i mean i don't right. i'm not saying that's the case here i'm just saying it, it can be it can cause more issues so they don't want their names out there right uh so we'll see on defensive coordinator um i mean do you get any sense i mean we, i know we've talked about paul haynes We've thrown like Mickens' name out there. We've talked about, you know, some internal guys. If it got to that point, do you have any sense of? I mean, there has to be a list. If Chris Ash says he's going to the Jaguars, is there a two, three that you feel comfortable with? Or is it really kind of like we're just kind of connecting some dots, but we're not even necessarily super confident on those? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty confident in the names I got. On the hot board, um, they weren't uh, they weren't just throwing things against a wall and see if they they'd stick is how I would define it. They were definitely uh, sourced at some level. So um, I like the names that are on the board. 
I don't know that there's not, you know, some maybe some names that that weren't brought up to me that might also be uh, involved as well. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's going to be interesting if if Ash goes elsewhere, if more names start to pop. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, sure. I, I think as it stands, like he's he's one and everybody else is probably a little bit of a gap between where they're at. Yeah. I mean, that uh, would make some sense because if he wasn't one, we would at least you would think have an idea of who that one might be. That person might've already been in town to interview. That person might already be hired for all we know, but it seems like before it seems like, you know, you're that has happened. Be, that has happened before with Luke, where somebody calls me like, "Hey, I just saw da 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 da, like in an office in the <laughs> on right. the seventh in, floor in the Linder Center, <laughs> and he doesn't work here currently." <laughs> well, he does. He just it isn't public yet. Um, so we'll we'll. I mean, we'll see. I I'm not overly confident in anybody uh, other than Ash at this point, but I think. You know, I think my hot board's pretty good. Uh, other than that, Mike Denbrock interviewing at Vandy, interviewed at Vandy, uh, was not offered the job, was in the Linder Center today uh, for the Cincinnati Blitz, which we can talk about a little bit later, which was just basically uh, something that they've made uh, a priority every year once the season ends and everybody gets their vacation and gets back to campus. They set up a day where they speak with every high school coach uh, in Cincinnati. Uh, They do that as a staff, you know, kind of. Do you think Tommy Tuttleville spoke with every high school coach in Cincinnati in four years? No. And they do it in one day. (laughs) I mean, there's many, many that of the big ones that said they never spoke with him. Yeah. I just think so, it's, fun. it's funny. Like, um, so Denbrock, uh, we'll see. I mean, from from what I've heard, the the meeting at Vanderbilt went really well, uh, but didn't get an offer. I don't know what you know what the situation is with Clark Lee uh, assembling his staff. There's not a lot of like. Uh, they don't let a lot, from what I've gathered, they don't let a lot get out down at Vandy at all. Um, if you notice, the Denbrock report came from Tom Loy from the Notre Dame site, uh, who has connections, obviously, to Denbrock from his time there and uh, Clark Lee from, from just recently being at Notre Dame. So they don't let a whole lot down there out. Um, I don't know. I think this one's probably 50 50 on whether he comes back or not. Uh, I mean, it's definitely, he's got a tough choice in that. I mean, you're pretty loaded next year. Well, yeah. At Cincinnati. But you have to wonder, you know, where, I, I, do you double down on yourself and hope that, you know, you have a top 10 offense this year to go with your top 10 defense and maybe something big pops next year. Um, but I mean, I, my guess right now is that things about 50, 50 on staying or going. 
And if he goes, I don't think there's much thinking involved in what happens next. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't know why there would be. I thought about just, uh, and I joked about this with Mo today. I've just one, a one, one item hot board or a coaching board with just a picture uh, of Gino, and that's it. No words, no, another, no, you know, an opening paragraph along the lines of. I wouldn't even Cincinnati. do an opening paragraph. Well, you have to to put it in the system. Oh, you can't just like put his name, like. You, yeah, I guess you could. This is Gino Gadulli. Well, I mean, you have to set the scene. Why? Everybody knows what the deal is. Well, some <laughs> people might not. I mean, you can't assume these things. Mike Denbrock is left to be the offensive coordinator at Vanderbilt. Cincinnati is now in search of an offensive coordinator. Here is the list of names Bearcat Journal is hearing for the job. And then just a picture of Gino. And that's it. That's the whole article. Like 24 words. <laughs> right. So I, yeah. I don't think I mean, there's a whole lot to really discuss no, on that front. There's not. I mean, you look at it, if if Mike does leave, unless you have some slam dunk, like holy cow, I can't believe we got that guy higher in your back pocket. If you don't elevate Gino, you run the risk of losing him too. Right. Because he would look at that and go, well. I need to exactly. go somewhere else exactly. then to be right. the offensive coordinator if you're not going to give me the job in this situ in this situation. Right. I've been here three years, you know, learning the ropes, learning everything, recruiting. Anybody would look at it that way. Like, yeah. I don't care if you went to school here or not. Like, if I've been here and I've done well and we've developed quarterbacks and the offensive coordinator leaves and you know I want to be an offensive coordinator – and you bring someone in from the outside, you cannot be surprised when I then go look for an offensive coordinator job somewhere. Right. Correct. So w- would you be a little nervous with Gino as a first-time OC going into a year like next year? I mean, you realize who you're talking to, right? Like he would probably be my dream offensive coordinator because I feel like we would be equally – ridiculously aggressive so no okay i would not be okay i mean it's it, it, it's a legit question oh i know you, I just, you're turning you're turning over a very talented offense to a guy that hasn't called plays before yeah i don't think in college it's as hard as they sometimes want to make it out to be probably not in the aac but going to win at indiana <laughs> notre dame maybe maybe but yeah, I'm not real concerned. I wouldn't be okay. real concerned, I should say. Okay. Are you? Would you be? Uh, I mean, at least just a little. I mean, not like panicked. But, I mean, you know. He would have Murray State in Miami to get his feet wet. Yeah. I, I just think it's one of those like it's a it's a fair concern to have. That's all. Um, Dan Enos off to Maryland as an offensive coordinator. Uh, you had to know he was going to be looking for somewhere to get back to at least coaching quarterbacks and trying to be an offensive coordinator. Uh, it was a stopgap year for him. He had connections to Geno and Denbrock, so it made sense for him to come here and be the running back coach for a year. But 
kind of least surprising thing ever that Danny knows is moving on after one season. Yeah, he needed a job. Yeah. He needed a job. UC had one. And he got an offensive coordinator job in the Big Ten with someone that he coached with at Alabama. Right. So, yeah, of course. Um, probably, I mean, do we – I know we've we've thrown around Mike Daniels' name. He was in the running last time. This one probably will take a little bit longer, don't you think? Well, yeah, first you got to figure out what exactly is going on right. with your offensive coordinator. Exactly. Um, I know they have been kind of uh, digging around to find uh, any possible names that would maybe fit as a running back coach. Um, it, it'll it'll definitely be interesting. I mean, this it, again, it's a it's a top ten team, so there's there's going to be a lot of people looking to uh, either restart their career or jumpstart their career or get the ball rolling. So my guess would be there would be no shortage of candidates. I agree, including Mike, including Mike Daniels, who interviewed for the position last year. So you would think that maybe would give him. A little bit of an advantage, but we'll see. I, I don't think it's a slam dunk by no, any measure not, until I don't think so either. Hmm. Until they vet, you know, whatever other names are. are I mean, on just the look list. at what happened last year, right? Like we weren't expecting Danny Nose to be a option. He's right. not someone that we were like, oh yeah, he got fired and he coached with Gino four years ago and. He was a great GA for somewhere that Denbrock was 20 years ago. Right. Right. So you never know. Um, I think that about sums up that part of it. We, uh, we talked about it a lot on the BBP, but haven't discussed here. Des and, and Majay are back. Uh, more surprised by that or more surprised Curtis Brooks and Marcus Brown are back. Oh, Curtis Brooks and Marcus Brown. For sure. <laughs> like, not not even I mean it's not even close. Yeah. Those were uh not expected. Not expected. Um so a nice little bonus when you get the the not expected guys to come back that have played a lot and uh this defensive line is no joke next year. No joke. I mean, whether you want to or not, you're gonna they're gonna have to run some four like, front. I mean, you got a hundred defensive tackles, and they didn't come back to just sit on the sidelines. There's like twelve defensive linemen now. Let, let's go through. Myjay, Brooks, Brown, Taylor, Malik, Phillip. Riggs, Phillips, Watley, Watley. uh, Ruffin. We'll see if he's ready for that jump yet. Um, Basevich. Sterling Miles. Basevich. We're at nine. Forgetting. That, I, I like Dominique Perry from what I saw of him last year. Um, yeah. Who's the kid from Hoban? Martin. Deshaun Martin is going to want to find his way finally up that depth chart. Like that's, we've talked about this during the season when talking about this defensive line. Again, it's 
it's what separates the top of the sport from the bottom of the sport is having that talent and depth at the point of attack. And uh, they're going to have it again next year. Yeah. It's, offenses in the conference aren't, getting, aren't catching a break, that's for sure. No. Um, Dez, I mean, this is his, like, opportunity to take that jump, right? To, to, to really – because there's, I mean, it was big. Like, I was a little annoyed that it was going to happen on a Friday because it felt like news dumping a pretty big decision. But it ended up kind of being the news of the day in college football. It did. It got picked. I mean, everybody was talking about it. Yeah. So it worked out for him. It got picked up pretty heavily. And there's going to be a boatload of eyes on Cincinnati next year in large part because. It's important when people know your quarterback. Oh, quarterback, right? quarterback and coach, man. College yeah. football, that's all that matters. And now everybody knows Luke Fickle. And most everybody knows Desmond Ritter. Like, that's that's an important piece of the puzzle. Especially there's people talking about, you know, is, is he QB1 going into, to, you know, the as far as his draft status right. going into next year. Like, that type of hype. There's, there's nothing you can do to manufacture that. That's completely organic, and UC has it now. Yeah. Good talk. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, there's – I think he's, he understands. He, he said exactly what he needs to work on, and I think he nailed it. He needs to work on his accuracy. He needs to work on his deep ball, and he needs to get a little bit bigger. And he'll have the opportunity to do all of those things. Yeah, I, mean, uh, I would like to see him. You know, he. I thought he made a nice. I mean, he was eight point one seven yards per attempt, which is, which is good. I mean, it was um, as a yard and a half jump from last year. I hate that. Sorry. We running Geico ads now. No, just these embedded videos that automatically start when you. I know. I'm messing on a page. Um. But I'd like to see that jump even more because that means he's more accurate down the field. What did his completion percentage end up being for the season? 68? 66.2, which was 11.1% higher than last year, which it dropped last year from the year before right? In, in every category. I mean, we all know he had a sophomore slump, so to speak. But, yeah, I mean, he gets that average up around 10. That means he's – better down the field um you know more touchdowns less interceptions you improve on that average um you know the thing i'm interested to see is is we always we know that the running element is always going to be there but do you do you pull back a little bit on the designed runs in an effort to, to keep him try to keep him healthier and work on the passing game more. And I mean, I know you're not just going to ditch him because that's a huge part of the offense and you're not just going to take away that type of an element, but you're in year two now of a pretty deep wide receiver core. You've got these two tight ends. 
Like, do you need to use him in the design run element as much as you did this year? I didn't think they used him a ton in it this year. Not at the beginning. I felt like they did more in the middle when they went on that big run, like especially SMU. Um, the whole first drive was either design run or throws. Yeah, that was coming off of Memphis, right? Where they no, that was coming off that, the that was, by the extra okay, three weeks backwards. Memphis was the one where they flipped the script because they were Memphis was prepping for Des, and then they chucked it deep. That's right, because Pierce burned on that first half. Um, I mean, I, I think it's probably about similar to where it was at last year. Because I, I don't think – maybe there were a couple of games where they looked at it and said, you know, this team's ends aren't very good or right. they don't have speed on the edge. Uh, I think situationally like that, it's fine. Um, but I didn't you, think they see, really – Do you see defenses maybe like they realize this year we can't really spy him because our guy that we have spying him isn't as athletic as he is. So do you just right. not do that? And maybe they don't go to like a three-three-five, but they're playing more coverage. They're dropping linebackers, which would help the running game. But that would then also probably slow his designed run element because the they're not committing that person. Yeah. To him, knowing that it doesn't matter, we can't do that. He's just going to run by him. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's going to be an interesting dynamic it's a good, it's and a good problem to have i mean he, yeah. he hopefully improves on his passing and you can still do that or you don't do it as much because the passing game is that much better yeah i mean i think we saw against georgia before hudson went out um they were using everybody's like why aren't they running the ball i'm like well they're passing it for six yards a, a chunk every time like that is running the ball get the yeah. ball set quick throw it, get six yards. Like that's running the ball to me. Yeah. I would like to know what his non-sack rushing yardage was against Georgia. I have it somewhere. I don't know where. Minus 17 total, which you got sacked like eight times. So yeah. Um, it's probably – there weren't any like where he really kind of got out on them though, so it's they're pretty quick to the edge. Well, yeah, I'm sure they're they're yeah they're way better than anything he saw all year. So they got to the edge pretty fast when he when he tried to get outside on them, much faster than say uh, anyone else. ECU. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Let's see what else we got, Dave. Um, James Tunstall, you former UConn and Stony Brook. Is that where he's at? Uh, Transfer was a uh, FCS All-American. Transfers to Cincinnati. A lot of that was uh, due to his past relationship with Darian Beavers, who they were in the same 2017 recruiting class at UConn. And big shoes to fill, young man. He uh, he is coming in to to try to win that left tackle spot, and there's going to be a lot riding on it because, as we found out this year, 
life is so much better when you don't have to worry about your blind side. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully he can lock that down and you feel much better about everything, frankly. L- literally everything. Because if he doesn't, you're, you're going into the summer not really knowing where you're going to turn because, I mean, not going to disparage anyone, but let's just be real. Lorenz Metz is not a left tackle at this level against anyone that you want to measure yourself against uh, on the national stage. I'm still not ready to write him off um, just because he... As a left tackle? I'm not ready to... Can I finish what I'm trying to say? I'm not ready to write him off just because he looked uh, like a deer in headlights in a game that he was not expecting to play in. Okay. You do that. The guy's been playing football for literally like three years. So I understand that, but that's not my problem. I'm trying to... Right. But, I mean, I'm also not writing someone off just because he had a bad half. And... and condemning him to being terrible for the rest of his career. We have seen guys in this program develop before. We have. His problem is he's been asked to do things he was not ready to do earlier than he was supposed to have to do them. Right. So I'm not going to uh, write him off completely because of that. Okay. That's fine. Now, do I feel comfortable slotting him at left tackle for the start of next season? No. <laughs> so it's a, it's a delicate balance there. Um, right tackle, I have to think John Williams goes into camp as the guy at right tackle. I would that agree. Would be, that would be my guess. And then it'll be interesting to see what's behind them. You know, Kobe McAllister you know, is a name. It's uh, it's going to be interesting to see the young guys, how I mean, they develop. Who, is Luke Collinsworth, like, legitimate too deep right now? Like, I don't know who... I don't think so. Who the other but, tackles would be. I don't either. They have a lot of I mean, guards. It's kind of the same yeah. thing with the defense. There's a lot of D tackles. I feel of... like the offense has a lot of guards. I'm not sure they have enough tackles. Length is definitely the issue. They got a lot of six five guys, but it's like when the 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 pictures of Tunstall came out, right? You can see how big he is right like when he's in his pass pro stance you can see how long his arms are how you know physically long and big he is there's not a lot of that you wonder could you get away with O'Quinn out there maybe could you get away with a Woodside out there maybe I know they've given looks to those guys out there before Mendiola's gotten looks out there before what about can you move Vinny? I mean, Vinny has played. Vinny was in the mix for right tackle. Two, in right. I mean, are you, can you, can you, can 
do you move Coop back into the starting lineup or another guard and you have Vinny as your – I mean, that would be a hard thing to do. Like, hey, you were the starting guard. Now you're the in a fight to be the starting right tackle. I mean, it happens a lot. It does, but in your – you know, I'm just spitballing, frankly, because I don't know who – like, I don't know who the backup tackles would be. I don't think they do either. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong there. So I'm just we're, saying we're that, we're struggling to figure out what exactly the combination of starting tackles is going to be. So spring ball, if we if we're allowed to go, that's probably the first thing we're going to actually pay attention to. Without question, that what happens at tackle is far and away the biggest question mark on this team. I mean, in a normal situation, it would be safety. But we've seen both of those guys, and we're right. comfortable with both of those guys. Everybody at corner is back. And you've got young guys chomping at the bit to get on the field. Your linebacker situation is as good as I remember it in terms of depth. Depth. You've got, what, three, four, five, six, seven, maybe eight. Guys in play at linebacker for three spots, or at least, you know, three spots right now. Yeah. You're, you're in pretty good shape. It's the tackles. Wide receiver is good. Running back, I think there's going to have to be some young guys step up at running back. Namely, probably Ryan Montgomery and Ethan Wright, depending yeah. on ha what happens with McClellan. And where I mean, he's at. I just – I don't know what you can expect from him at this point. I don't either. Like, I can, I mean, I, I can be hopeful, but, like, you've torn both knees back-to-back -back years. Like, yeah. I don't, and you're a speed explosion guy. I don't really – I mean, I don't know if you can expect anything. And maybe whatever you get is bonus. Right. Um. Yeah, tackles by far the biggest the biggest question. Punter. Um, punter, yeah. I mean, but he's here. Like you know who your punter's going to be. You sure. Know you don't know if he's how, how, how shit. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, can't, I mean, I have. Have you seen anybody that came out of that pro kick Australia that that stinks? I mean, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it feels like everybody that kicks now in college is is from Australia. So. And they all come through Pro Kick Australia. That's my point. Like, right. have you ever watched on a Saturday and they're like, oh, this guy from Australia is terrible. Right. They're always like, this guy from Australia is the best kicker in the conference and he's up for All-American honors. Um, yeah, punter's fair until we, until we see what he can do. Uh, other than that, man, they're locked and loaded. Uh, I'll have an article, a, a two-parter next week. Five uh, young guys to watch on offense, five young guys to watch on defense. Um, I, I put the teaser on the board that uh, the number one guy on defense that everybody for the past six weeks has just raved about Justin Watley. Um, apparently about halfway through the year, it kind of like the, the business end of it kind of kicked in, right? where you, you start practicing hard every day and you start taking things a little more serious and you start, uh, 
really understanding uh, what college is, is about for most kids that doesn't happen that quick. Right. For him, my understanding is about halfway through the season, he started whipping dudes on the offensive line that uh, were not young. <laughs> so he was kind of like that. He was like split scout team where he got some reps with the main guys. Yeah. But they used him on scout team. And uh, there were several people that I heard say, look, that kid was better in practice all week than whoever we lined up against on Saturday for a good chunk of the season. So everybody is expecting big things from Justin Watley. And the more I talk, the more it sounds like that if they stay in a three, three, five, he's kind of the future of that boundary strong side, uh, Elijah Ponder defensive end spot, which as we learned pretty important if you're going to play a three-man front that that guy is really good and uh all indications are justin watley's really good yeah um hi berg what it is we're we're finishing up some football here and uh then we'll be ready to go give us like uh another two three minutes and uh who do you think's number one on offense on that list dave of young guys ready to break out. How young? Uh, young. Young. Like, does Trey Tucker count? No, he's already been on the two deep. We're talking okay. guys that are uh, – there's really only – the only guy on, on the list, I think, that has actually uh, been a two deep guy is Pace. And he was really like three because he was behind Jarrell White and Van Fossen. Uh, okay. But he practiced so, a lot with, with the, the two deep. Offense, I would say that my two would be Tyler Scott or Ethan Wright. They are both on the list. Uh, they were not the clear number one, as it they was explained to me. Not the clear number one. All right. Not the clear number one. Clear well, number one? Well, don't tell me. Okay. Leave it for the article. Okay. Might or might not be the highest rated recruit in program history. Might or might not be. Might or might not be. But uh, there's well, some people. Going to break out with the, at, at what? The end of the Miami game? <laughs> I, I mean, he's, he's probably going to be number two on the depth chart. So Great. I hope he never plays. Yeah, I do too. He's he going to need to get ready. Uh, so, so that's where that, that goes. We'll see that article spread out over a couple days next week. Hopefully there's some basketball in between there. Um, what else you got? Anything you good? Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, you didn't think we'd have enough to talk about and here we are 45 minutes. I know we always, we always find a way we do. And now I'm ready for another 45 minutes. How about you, buddy? Do you have? Do you guys have 45 minutes to talk about? That's the better question. We always find a way, don't we, Bird? <laughs> I, I got some stuff. All right. Well, Dave, thank you, my friend. And you're, uh, you're welcome, guys. We'll, we'll see about next week. I, I don't know if we're going to have enough football stuff for next week, but uh, we'll figure it out. Oh, sure. Maybe have some hirings. We should. Maybe. Maybe that'll yeah. All right, man.
See ya. See you guys. Welcome in now. The go-to voice for all things Bearcat basketball on BearcatJournal.com. None other than my good friend, Justin Berg. Berg, that's a, that's a, it's a nice fireplace you got there. Yeah, it's the, we don't use it. The couch is blocking it so that Leah can't get in there and start <laughs> taking old fireplace tools and like beating my younger son over the head with it. So we put a couch in the way. Or potentially like climbing up the chimney. Yeah. Yeah. Anywhere she's not supposed to go, she goes. How are you feeling, man? I'm good. I'm good. It's kind of tough spot when games start getting whacked and you know, days of content just start getting wiped out. That makes it a little difficult. I get a little, a little sweaty at times, but luckily we have a, uh, a great team at Bearcat Journal to help get you through these trying times. Uh, since the last we talked, big road win over SMU. Follow that up with toilet. Well, it was 10 minutes of toilet. The, the other, yeah. I mean, they were winning with, with what, 13 minutes to go? Three, four, 44, 43. Before they went on that stretch of eight and a half minutes without a field goal, they were winning by one. Wow. Yeah. And then you, you go eight and a half minutes without a field goal. And I don't have my, my notebook next to me that I had notes on. It was like a 24 to seven run in that eight and a half minute stretch. And you go from up one to down 16. Yeah. Well, the Not first good. half, the first half, I think they were up nine, two. And then yeah. I believe it was 30 to 22. Yeah. So it was like a 28, 13 run there. So it was basically two. Tear, you know, just there was they had the two toilet stretches, one each half, but the rest of the time, eh, all right, they played okay. And that's, I mean, but that's the thing that's we talked about this from the very start. Those those runs are what kills this team. You know, we saw we even saw it in that the SMU win <clears throat> where they remember they they came back and tied it up, I think, at 44 and then gave up an 11 0 run immediately after they did so. Or was that Tulsa? It's all running together. Yeah, I think it was Tulsa. But they were behind by seven yeah. late in the SMU game, and then Jeremiah Davenport stepped up, which he wasn't there in the, the Wichita game. He wasn't there to save them from sinking. Shot was clearly off. Yeah. Let me ask you about him, though. So uh, after, okay. after, after the SMU game, he, he clearly stepped up and, and was huge. Keith – at the end made a lot of plays too, but throughout the game, he was one of the guys that kept them afloat and then hit some big shots down the stretch. And then after the game, he was on the zoom interview and he said, I'm proud of my guys. And I thought, you know what, maybe this guy's the leader because clearly nobody else is. He's a young, usually you don't have sophomores as your leader, but it kind of makes sense. He's from Cincinnati. He has the pride. He's definitely not scared to take a big – he's not scared at all. And it, it, so, might have to, it might have to be him. And so I was thinking, like, after that game, like, all right, maybe we found our leader. And then, of course, so, in the next game, he couldn't make a shot. And there you go. Yeah, but the leadership you're looking for from him is not necessarily, like, 20 points a game. It's locker room. It's, it's 
I know what being a Bearcat is about because I've grown up as a fan of this program. I definitely think long term, that's the guy for that role. Yep. Like we knew what we knew with Trey long term, Trey was going to be a leader. He what he didn't have to do it as a sophomore, thankfully, because he had guys in front of him, like Gary Clark, that were filling that role. Um, but I mean, you're you're I think you're exactly right in the fact that he probably needs to be the one yeah that is the you know the the heart and soul of this team of this program uh in the early segment of John Brandon's career here he, he certainly yeah. seems to fit the fit the mold more than anybody else by far right it's logic the logic says that it's got to be him it can't be anybody else right now now i think the julius next year will be but he's in a weird spot now because he just got here and he's probably deferring to Keith and Chris because they've been here longer. Uh, I, I anticipate the Julius being a, a leader next year when he's the senior. I think he and Davenport together, you know, he's kind of the grounding, keep everything together guy. And Davenport's the energy guy, but also the, you know, pride. Yeah. This is, this is for the city, my city type of thing, which you need. You need both yeah. of those things. But this team has been devoid of it. And I think what I've noticed in, in that regard is a lot of people have been pointing out with Keith Williams. Now, listen, um, I have a ton of respect for Keith. He's one of my favorite Bearcats ever. I don't want to bang on him. He's, I, I did a great interview with him a couple of years ago. I respect everything about him. You know, that hard work ethic from his dad that he, that he learned from. And just, I, I wish the guy nothing but the best, but I think the foul trouble thing to me is is a leadership. It's a lack of leadership because he needs to be on the floor and the fa- the things that he's doing game after game are, it's just, it's just a lot. La- it, it's just, it's not what it, the team needs him on the floor. And he keeps making these, these mistakes that um, you just can't do in these situations. And he's doing them over and over again. And I know it's a habit and it's been ha- for a while, but I don't know that, uh, I, it, it hit me a while ago. I was like, you, you know what? You got to know how important you are. If you have to play with your hands behind your back, you've got to stay 90 feet court. from the rim. Yeah. It just, and you know, why are you reaching in like a five, eight guard when you're six, five and can sky jump straight up with your hands up and vertically do that. But the fact, the fact is that he's, he's hung his team out to dry, you know, five out of the nine or t- I don't remember how many games, 10 games. He's hung his team out to dry a lot by just, dude, he's gone for 15 minutes of halves. I mean, you just, that's, that's the way I look at it. Um, it's the fundamental thing, but also just, I feel like if you're, you got to step up and know how important you are and, and sacrifice certain things on defensive end to stay on the floor. So that's just the only thing I'm disappointed with him with. I know obviously the offense has been inefficient and it's been a tough struggle. It's been a struggle for him to, to, to just get comfortable with what the team needs him to well, do and with what his skill set is. But I just think that that fouling thing, I, I, I don't know if anyone's placed that under the leadership category. That's just what, how I feel about it. When are you most likely to be inefficient offensively? When you don't have a rhythm. When, when do you not have a rhythm? Yeah. When you're sitting 10 minutes a half in foul trouble. Right. So it's chicken and egg. It's like, yeah, like, you can't, I mean, so all of it, if he, you know, if you could stay on it's the floor. It's a culmination. Yeah. Yeah. If you could stay on the floor and, and get a flow. Um, Kudos to him though for stepping up in the the last five to five or six minutes of the SMU game and really making yeah. made some he playmate he was playmaking for others 
Um, he was aggressive and, you know, and that, he had had a, a pretty poor first 35 minutes of that game. He didn't have yeah. the foul trouble, right? but he wasn't necessarily playing well that first 35 minutes. And then the last five minutes, he was excellent, which right. we've seen and, him do before. Yeah. That's the type of player that I think everybody expected to see from him and maybe not even as much with the playmaking. Cause I think he had four assists. Um, which is a ton for him, really. Yeah. But but he has the ability to do it if he stays within the system. And like Brandon said after that game, that there was a lot of plays where guys were making plays for other people and we were getting great shots instead of good shots. And the, the possessions where they turned the ball over or they got bad shots, it was because guys were not trusting that thing. And then in the Wichita State game in the second half, it was a ton of that too. And so it's our, you know, young team slash Keith and Chris are not young, but it's you're going to have these type of inconsistencies. It's just part of the deal. Were you encouraged to see some fight from Chris vote in the Wichita state game? I don't know if encouraged is the right word. I, I, I was, played nine I was, minutes. I was, I was, he had seven points the, and six rebounds. I, I don't know if I was encouraged, but I would say that I was, I was happy for the kid. He's been taking a lot of heat and you know, he's, he's, he's playing at a level that he may not be good enough for he I, at times I, he has shown that he belongs at this level at other times he looks like he should not be at this level but well, I, I, so, I, I so think the fact that he did that i yes i was more happy for him than like encouraged it like oh now the season's gonna turn around because of that no i'm not I, I, now you're putting words <laughs> in my mouth that know, are ridiculous <laughs> maybe what he is at this level is a 10 to 15 minute a game guy that comes in he played hard against Wichita State. He, he was did. getting on, dove, yeah, yeah. He was getting on the floor. He was he he started to look like he had some confidence again offensively. Like that's more what I was talking about. Yeah, he didn't pout with a reduced role. Instead, he went out and found a way to be effective in that reduced role, which is awesome. can be can be a positive sign going forward. Because then you potentially have a guy that you can count on for 10 to 15 minutes off the bench to give you some production, as opposed to counting on him for 25 to 30 minutes, which pretty clearly is not what he's designed for at this right. level. And what he did, even though it was only one game and, and like you said, nine or 10 minutes, that's what a lot of players these days, they don't do that. They say, right. oh, I get a reduced role. I'm gone. Right. And it's, it's getting weaker and weaker with that. And nobody wants to put in the time and the effort and to fight their way back and scrap their way back to, to get where they, you know, to get where they want to be on the team that they're on. And they just go to another team. So it's going to happen. So you a like lot. the point I made. Yes, I do. Okay. I like it. I, I, <laughs> I, I was, I, like I said, I was, I was more so happy for him. And, I, and, and after the SMU game, I was mostly just happy for the guys on the team and the coaching staff Obviously, the fan base. We all needed a win too. I mean, I, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't. I loved. I loved your video, by the way. That, that was a Berg instant classic. Yeah, I just that was, was, that feeling, was a lot was of stress good. off of your shoulders. Yeah, it, it was feeling good. However, then after the Wichita State game was just not what I was looking for. So then on Wednesday, when I got a, a text saying that the game was canceled, I was like, "Oh, cool. All right, let's do something else." Like that, that, I can't remember the last time that I was not like a Bearcat game was coming on and I wasn't like planning my whole world around it. This time I was like, eh, all right. 
I'm sure I can find something else to do. I'm good. I got a text a little bit ago that's going to make you really concerned. Oh, yeah? Yeah. With these two games canceled, or postponed, sorry, postponed, if you go back to the SMU game, seven of nine on the road. Okay. Well, they're one and one in their last two. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Always always the optimist, Justin Berg. Yeah. I don't know about always, but listen, I don't care. I don't care where any games are played this year, even though I know it's different because all I want for this team is to go through lots of adversity and get their ass kicked a few more times and just manufacture some toughness for next season. This season, I'll tell you what, talk about the perfect, pick the perfect season to suck this season. <laughs> if there was an ideal season to suck, this is the one. Now, look, they haven't, there's been stretches where they've been pretty good, but there's also been a lot of suck and it's fine. It happens sometimes that they've been good for 10 years, man. But 30. this is the perfect. This is the perfect season. Well, they weren't good those four years before the ten. We for, we forget those happened. Yeah. Well, then we'll hopefully <laughs> we'll forget this one. This one and potentially next year happened too. I mean, I don't know. If, if, we'll see. There'll be plenty of time to talk about next year. I know. I know. If the development that we're seeing can continue, uh, I don't think next year is necessarily a uh, a throwaway. Um, no. Zach Harvey. 13, 13.75 points per game over the last four. His three-point shot is, I think he's, over the last four, he's shooting like 70% from three or 60-something percent from three. Um, he has definitely started to take the next step. And that, I'm not saying he's taken the next step. I'm saying he's starting to take the next step. You average 13 and a half over four. You're making progress. I would say that he is showing the potential to start taking the next step. I think that's semantics. <laughs> no, I mean, he, he look. I, I when he's when he's going good, I I really do like what he is. I like the fact that he can shoot it and drive it. Um, he's not really dunking it though, so that's kind of why I'm not that excited about him. I know. I just said that to see what you would do. <laughs> No, listen, the kid's got the kid's got skills. We know the whole story about him. He, you know, he's he's just hasn't been able to get started. But yeah, I, I'm interested to see. Now, here's the question for you. How many shots, how many shot at field goal attempts per game in those last four? Not many like, because probably, he's probably like he's eight. been yeah, he's been super yeah. efficient. That's what I'm saying. So you think down the road when maybe he's getting 13 to 15 shots a game, if he's a really important player, then could he be a 18 to 20 point scorer? I mean, I don't, he ain't going to shoot no 65% from three, but if he shoots 35 to 38 and he's getting to the foul line a little more than he is now, then yeah, I mean, you could see him being a, a 15 to 18 point scorer. I don't know about next year, but I guess it's not completely out of the question. But 20, 29 shots over the last four games. All right. So less than eight. I was yeah, almost I was a, close. A low, yeah. a low over seven, seven and a half. Yeah. Okay. 7.3 or whatever, at two, five, whatever. Yeah. I, I, I really think his, 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 um, what about his free throw attempts per game? I bet it's probably like two. 
That's the thing. If he can, be, uh, if he can beef that up to like the six to eight range eventually in his career, like SK did. Now you're just under, about just under, just under four. Oh, okay. Yeah. If he if and he can get seven or eight free throws a game and hit six of them, and he hits a, a three, there's nine, and you know you need five more, you know, four more buckets. All of a sudden, there's seventeen. Um, what I like is he's shooting the ball well but he's not living and dying by the three. I mean, he has yeah. been much more decisive getting downhill, getting to the rim. He, he's, he seems to this point pretty good at finishing uh, around the rim through contact, which has been a major problem for this team from some guys mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. just get to the rim and flip it up against the backboard and hope, you know, they get a, a foul or it goes in as opposed to uh, getting there with some confidence which he has done uh, a pretty good job of over these last four games. So, I mean, look, on the year, 52% from the floor, 45% from three. Uh, the free throws are going to have to get better at 56%, but he just – he didn't take many of them early. That has been a a new development where he's been getting to the line. So he's going to have to yeah. find a little bit more of a comfort zone there. Yeah. I like the potential and I like the fact that we're starting to see some of it and, and it's just going to be a matter of him finding some consistency. So you think he's starting to take the next step? I think, he's, <laughs> I, think I think, I think him starting to take the next step is on the horizon. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Does he, he has to get it. So he had 19, he's got to get a 20 spot in the dunk before Berg. Yeah. Uh, we'll say he has taken the next step. Right. I need a dunk. He he had a breakaway the other day and he he didn't dunk it and I oh and that, that, now we get now yeah. it, he messed his now steps up or he looked at his knee like something happened and I'm thinking man I need that to be a nice hard two hander and a yell but um, he'll get okay. there you know he's now got, it's he's making got, sense yeah he didn't he had a chance and I was get, starting to get excited and then he didn't do it you went to your notebook and you were like. No, no was, that's not going to yeah. work. No, but I, meanwhile, I, I can't. I can't buy in on this guy when he when he lays <laughs> up a fast break. I'm out. Yeah, all by himself. Yeah, that's not going to work for me. But everything else <laughs> he did was was smooth. Um, but that, but 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 his his buddy Tari Eason was was hammering him down when he had a chance, as he has he, continued to do. So he's your favorite player now, because he dunks a lot. He's actually not. He's actually my second <laughs> favorite player. Can you guess okay. who my? favorite player is uh mamadou diara no sir <laughs> uh david de julius you got it I, I you've you've been very high on de julius uh from very from the very start of the season yeah i i i just i just like the what what he is as the guy that can make some decisions and he's already shown that he can set his teammates up and he will help out on defensive glass. And I think that it's just going to be a matter of time before he gets a little more comfortable scoring. I don't think he's going to be uh, scoring you, you know, 15, 20 points that often. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if there were some games where he does it. And his three-point shot has been so cold this year. But he, it's crazy, man. He, he, he's got his be- – like, at least before this season, his shot was beautiful on the film and in high school and everything. It looked real smooth. So maybe it's just a matter of like, it's just different when you had to handle the ball and dribble it that many times. And 
he's probably never like he's not getting a lot of catch and shoot opportunities. No, he's not. Which I think is a mistake, uh, and maybe it's well, just something that he doesn't have the right person to deliver it to him. But he, I would like to see him off the ball a little more. But there's nobody really to be on the ball because if you have Saunders in, that's the only other option. None of the other guys are really set up your teammate type of guys. Well, we've seen the past two games. John has has put more and more ball handling responsibilities on Mike Adams Woods and tried to get to Julius some off the ball to, to help yeah. find him uh, a little bit more comfort. I, I think that the goal was to get him to stop thinking about being a point guard. As yeah, much. should I shoot it or is this the right, right time to shoot it? Yeah. And what are the what what's the result been? He's had 19 assists in the past two games. Yeah. So that has kind of been funny to me that like maybe just getting it out of his brain a little bit frees him up to to stop thinking so much, frees him For up sure. to start being a little bit more relaxed, to be a little bit more free. Um, so hopefully we're seeing that start to come out of him. Yeah. If you look at, I mean, just law of averages, the rest of his UC career, he should be hitting them at a pretty good rate. <laughs> 56% based on the start he's had. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't see why not. Cause I think he, I think he has the ability. He hit that little sidestep three. Was that in the Wichita game or the, yeah. Second half. Yeah. I think it was Wichita. Cause he actually yeah. second half, his offense started to come around a little bit where, if he's going to be a six, seven assist a game guy, he can get by with being an eight to 12 point scorer, right? Like you don't, wants to, yeah. But, but what I'm saying is, if he's producing six to eight assists a game and getting those buckets, then he can be somewhere in that 10 point range as a scorer, where he's going to be hot some games, be cold some games. Um, I don't think you're you're counting on him to be a 15 point a game guy anytime soon. So you need to find and and he's been like 6, 5, 6. If you can get him up more towards 10, think about how many of these games have been decided in the final minutes where if he had five more points, maybe you're talking about a different outcome. I think I really think next year he will he will get that that flow back cuz he'll he'll know going into the season what to expect, he'll know his role and Again, he he has the ability to score at all three levels. The other thing that's been happening is he, that floater has been completely negated ever since the South Florida game. It seems like everybody must have watched the tape, and they just have he has a hard time getting into the lane. Early in the season, he was just he was macking people with that shot, and then also getting to the foul line. I mean, we rarely see him shoot free throws. That's what's really causing him to not get his points because he he can make if he can get to the line a couple times. There's four, maybe six points. Then you get a couple floaters. There's your ten knock a three in 13. It's not, it's not that hard for him to get to 13, but if he, if you take away his free throws and floaters and you just, he just has only thing he can do is shoot threes, which he's not really decisive on. And that's going to cost him. And that's really, this team's not good enough for him to score five points. I don't right. care how that's many why I, he has. That's why I said he needs to be in that eight, nine, 10, 12 point range. Yeah. Cause where he's been, 15. I, I just don't think he's there yet. Not, not yet. I'm just saying eventually, like if you look ahead, and if he's giving you fifteen and six assists, now you got a squad because he he has to be a threat to score to stretch the floor, to to create spacing for others and for himself to drive off the shot fakes. Yeah, but yeah, he's he's my guy. I I really uh, I'm not judging 
what he's going to be or he's on overrated by these first 10 games. I, I'm, I'm being realistic about it. I, I, I just think that he can, he can give you a lot and he's going to get, yeah, I think I, he's going to keep giving them more and more leadership and more and more production throughout his career. I, I don't, uh, I don't disagree with that at all. Good. Don't disagree with that at all. Tari's pretty good though. Oh yeah. He, and he, and he dunks a lot. Which he does. For, anytime. Yeah. Anytime he has a chance, he's going to, he's going to slam it through. Um, as far as the rest of his game, he's got a, he's got a long way to go on the defensive side. Of course he, he gets beat off the dribble a ton. He sometimes looks like he's just not really that interested. Um, but then it, all of a sudden he'll like come up with some nice shot blocks. Um, you would like a guy like that to be averaging a whole lot more defensive rebounds than he is. Um, at his size and athleticism, I think that'll come. Um, he needs to – he has a lot of work on that end. It's, it's, but he's a freshman, and that usually freshmen suck at defense. Yeah. Now, what about the rest of his offensive game? What have you seen that you've liked? What do you think he – what his potential could he's, be based on what you've seen? It's hard to know exactly right now because he's far too sped up. Yeah. Like, he – at number one – he has got to slow down offensively, especially trying to put the ball on the floor, uh, trying to get the ball up on the backboard, get the ball on the rim. We haven't seen much of his bag yet. I, I'd be interested to see what percentage of his makes are dunks or like lay, very gently laying the ball in the rim from point blank range. Yeah. Um, he's hit a couple threes, so we've seen he's got a little bit of range to him. Uh, percentages aren't good, but other than Davenport, whose percentages and Harvey now, yeah. whose percentages are good. Um, uh, Mason that's the, yeah, I, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. So that's yeah, the so, thing I really yeah. need to see from Tari is I need to see offensively. He is, he is thinking and not re like just playing like right. Everything you can see, it's like uh, like his brain's processing. Yeah, because because what like you said, his bag. So we don't know. We have no idea what is in his bag, really. Does yeah. he have a jump hook? Is he a guy that can that can just he can stretch the floor? Is he can he beat somebody off the bounce? I mean, what is, what really is he? You know, he's had a few putbacks and things where I think eventually he'll be a, a pretty dominant rebounder if he wants to be, but I don't know what his, what else it looks like he can handle the ball a little bit when he's not overthinking it. And he seems to have, I, somebody mentioned before the season that he had guard skills for a six, eight guy that can fly or six, nine. So yeah, so I, I, was, don't know. I was, I was talking to uh, a coach, uh, employed somewhere else that recruited Tari uh, earlier this week, and we were talking about him. And they hadn't really been keeping up with UC, and they asked if he was playing the three or the four. And I laughed, and I'm like, "Well, he's playing the five. <laughs> and, <laughs> and explain like it's much more out of you know necessity for where they're at. Um, and he asked how he looked on like some of his his perimeter guard skill stuff, and I'm like, he's just sped up right now. He he gets ahead of himself, and as soon as he gets ahead of himself, he puts the ball out in front of him, and somebody takes it or knocks it away, or he dribbles it off his foot, or like travels it, before he travels. Dribbles. Yeah, yeah. I hate so that play, by the way. Why do you do that? Why that do you is, throw it to the guy when he's running? Like, just 
Can we that let, was can we let them get there? They, they did that last year. I, that's part of John Brandon's thing. I see that in a lot of teams. They throw it to the trailer, and then he yeah. like, has to make a perfect jump stop. Like, let him stop and then whip it to him. I don't understand why at least, you have to give it to him. At least let him slow down. Yeah. The one the other night, he hadn't even slowed down. He was running full speed. So dumb. I don't understand how that's it's that important that, that, to get that extra second. Yeah. But anyway, keep right. going. So what the coach – so the coach thought he should be playing the three? No, he thought just coming up he was more of a combo forward. Okay. And he was asking how he had looked like displaying some of those perimeter skills because that's, you know, if you've got that jumbo 6'8 wing guy, like that is literal gold in college basketball. Yeah. Uh, So he was just asking about that. I'm like, it's, it's, it ain't there yet. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He's just, he, he, he doesn't look natural with any of that stuff right now, which you hope as he, the game slows down for him it becomes more of a thing, but, but as it stands, the game is not yet slowed down for him. <laughs> right. And also I think eventually the coaching staff can set, can, can give him like a license to do certain things and not do other things. So he can focus on getting good at a few things instead of worrying about trying to do eight different things every time and say, okay, for now, maybe just forget about the threes and work on, posting or you know mid post and that type of stuff and rebounding and whatnot and once you get that figured out then we can expand it but yeah i I mean look like you said six eight that can you know hammer and he has some skills ball skills that's what everyone's looking for especially at the pro level as far as anybody on this team he's the one guy that you think that if he puts it together he has a chance to to make the pros um i don't i don't think there's anybody else that would even come close to that level that I've seen. Not, not that they've showed to date. That's for sure. Except for maybe Mason Madsen. Let's, let's get your thoughts on Mason Madsen. <laughs> what I like is the kid is what a month and a half behind. Uh, Cause he was in a boot for five, almost six weeks. He hasn't had much practice time. He is still trying to get his stamina built up from being in a boot for five, six weeks. And he comes in the game the past two games and he ain't scared. Nah. He looks like he belongs at least so far. And at least he bet he believes he belongs. Right. Which is the most important thing. Yeah. I think you, you nailed it. He he's, he, some other guys are like, what is going on in their brain right now? And he's just like, yeah, give me the ball. I'll, I'll jack it up. Right. I'll shoot it with confidence or I'll do a little give and go and I'll mix it up. And yeah, he, he looks like a fun piece to have because I think he'll play on both ends, which this team desperately needs because they're not good on either end. <laughs> right. The numbers are so bad. I don't even, yeah. I haven't looked at him in like two weeks because. Yeah, it's, quit it's doing so, that to yourself. I don't look at them. I mean, I really don't. I, I'm just like, oh, they're 80th overall. Cool. And they're whatever, 100th in this and 70th in that. And just like, like basically like, oh, they're irrelevant. Cool. So I don't need to look at them anymore. Because um, at this point, they're not, there's no, oh, at least, well, they're scoring, but they can't stop anybody. It's just like, yeah, they just, sometimes they're good. Sometimes they suck. And they've sucked a little more than they were good. So they've lost these games. That's, that's basically what this team is. Yeah, they're, they're 
there are flashes of really goodness, not greatness, <laughs> but there's flashes of really goodness met with longer flashes of, oh boy. Holy shit. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> can we go back to the to, can we go back to the flashes of goodness here? That eight minutes in that Wichita yeah. State game was rough, man. Like just just the turnovers, like mm. ugh. It, it just it got so frustrating to watch them see one mistake turn into two mistakes, turn into three mistakes, turn into ten mistakes, turn into a one point lead. Uh, that becomes a 16-point deficit. You know, you yeah. know what's crazy? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to ask a question. How many points do you think UC scored over the final five minutes of that game? Oh, that game they scored probably like 15 or 20. 24. Okay, yeah, because they should, they got into the <laughs> 70s, and there was no business. Yeah. But the, but and and I and the, the one of the I think it was Crispin. He was like, "Why can't they play like this the whole game?" You know. And that's what that this team has been awesome when they've been down by double digits. It's incredible. I, I would love to see what their offensive efficiency is <laughs> when they're down ten. Yeah, they're probably they would probably be like top twenty in the country the, the way that they. So so you're, so that's always been a question of mine is so you know what how do you just do that normally? Uh, why can't you just always play like that? Is it too much energy to exert? Is it just untenable? It's to ask a team. Yeah, it's learned, and that's the problem with a young team learning how to uh, consistently play with that effort is, is part of the problem of being young. But it, yeah, but is it effort or is it aggressiveness is the question. Cause they like, like, like I'm not like they're not, when you're down by 10 or 15, you're not worried about going down by 25. You're just like, I'm just going to ball now. So I'm just going to bring it hard and then try to steal it off the inbound and go after this team. Like, I feel like that's what this team needs to be with their personnel. But I understand that for 40 minutes, I don't, you know, you don't, you risk, you, there's, there's too much risk to start out the game like that. And all of a sudden you're down big early. And I, I think that's part of, part of like, this happens sometimes with mixed teams where, they were really good when they were, it was like, why are you like now all of a sudden shooting confidently and coming like, like, you know, they were down by 20 to Xavier and all of a sudden they were just like kicking their ass for a while and they cut it to eight. It's like, well, where was that shit? Like earlier in the game, why were you right. playing so tentative early? It's, I, it's, I guess it's just a mindset thing, but it is somehow they need to hypnotize these kids into being like, all right, the game's starting. You imagine you guys are down by 20 and play like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, where's your, where's your overall level of frustration that you won't get a game this week? My overall level is zero. I don't, I honestly am okay with it. That's how this season has been. I'm but, not, but wasn't this a, an opportunity to finally like maybe catch your breath and get a couple wins? Yeah. But what does it matter if you beat some teams that because then you start to get confidence, then you start to get a little momentum. Maybe that allows you to close out these games that you're you have a one point lead in the second half and you turn it into a loss. Like I, I thought this was a good spot for them to finally like find that rhythm. And now everything is paused. Yeah. They haven't from my understanding, they haven't picked up a basketball since the Wichita State game. That's not good. Well, 
Yeah, it's not. I, 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 I go the other way on it. I don't, I don't, if they were to win these, these games this week, I wouldn't be like, Oh, now I'd be like, all right, cool. You beat whoever. It's not, I don't know. I would say, yeah, I would have liked to have seen if they could have got a little momentum and then, okay, what can they do against Houston? But I would tell you this, if they win all these games and then play Houston, or if they lost them all, I still think they would have zero chance. I'm not as big on Houston as I was. I've watched them a couple times. Yeah, they play hard. They rebound. But that's yeah. not that's not a good team. That's not a you top 15 team. But but the way that this Bearcat team has played this year, they would just they, – they don't have they don't have the stones to, to deal with that. I, I don't disagree there. Yeah. I, I just – I don't know. The more I watch Houston, the more I'm, I'm not sold on this particular – I mean, they're, they're going to win the conference probably, like, because wow. they have – because they have this conference. Sig- Damn, yeah. that's an accomplishment. <laughs> they have significantly more talent than anyone else has assembled in the conference. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I'm not minus Caleb Mills now. There may He's be a few a, reasons how they've gotten it, but whatever. Yeah, minus Caleb Mills, who is off to Florida State because he wanted to get closer to home, so he picked a school that was eight hours from his home. <laughs> Where is he from? North Carolina. Ah. Which yeah, I somebody mean, somebody was like, "Oh, maybe he'll transfer to UC." I'm like, "You think he's leaving Houston to stay in this piece of toilet conference? That would be the dumbest thing of all time." It is, man. Watching this league so far this year, it has not been fun. Oh. It There's really hasn't much. been. It really hasn't been fun ever. I mean, if we're being honest, I mean, there have it's been, been fun when you see wins. No, but there have been years when at least there's some good teams. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't see a lot of – I don't see nearly as much good as there has been. Yeah. I mean, if Tulsa is one of your best teams and, and Wichita State's pretty – and Wichita State's up there, right? Yeah. They're in the, they're, they only have one loss. Did they beat Tulsa recently or some, something like that? They did, I believe, okay. yeah. No, I think they smoked them at Wichita State. Okay. They beat them by 20 or so. All right. Well, that's what they kind of did to UC if it didn't for the last stretch. But, yeah. This, I, I mean, yeah, you're right. Cause in the past, it'd be like, oh, like Memphis is playing UCF. I'll, I'll check that out. I don't even know who plays who. I, I, I would, <laughs> I'm not going to waste a millisecond watching any team in this league. And except Wichita for UC, State, but Wichita State of. beat them by Wichita State beat them 72 to 53 yesterday. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Tulsa's not any good. Memphis, Tulsa, Sunday, three o'clock. I, I will not be watching. They already played once, and I don't think either team got to 60, if I remember right. Or maybe one team did. Uh, uh, Memphis is 56-49. There you go, yeah. Tulsa won one. at Memphis. I mean, listen, for everybody who was talking about when Penny Hardaway, look at all of these five stars. And, I, of course, you know, James Wiseman thing is – we. I'm sure they probably would have been a lot better if he played last year. But they still lose to some teams where you're like, dude, really? You're embarrassing our league. Yeah. Why that, are you? What are you doing? Not that UC's it has representing it has that well this year. They've been really good defensively, which is initially like when you're looking at how a coach builds his culture. When he builds it around right away, taking a young team, especially the, as young as they were last year, and being a top ten, top fifteen Ken Palm defense, you think. You know, 
that's it's, the right it's, way. Yeah. It's it's building it's building in the right direction. But at some point, like building has to be more than just like putting bricks down. Right? Like you have to start <laughs> yeah. building something. Like there has to be a there's to be a structure. Like it can't just be like, look, we have a chimney over here and uh we got the foundation for a bedroom over there. Yeah. Uh but year three, we don't have a roof on this place yet. So uh and that's I mean, I think I just walked into a perfect analogy from Memphis right there. They don't have a roof on the place yet. Yeah, and you know what? In that first couple of years, or I guess the first year, whenever we whenever UC played Memphis, I watched all of Penny Hardaway's pressers, and he couldn't have been more complimentary of Mick and right. talking about that's how I want to build this program. Well, he he did the defense part, but he forgot about the turnovers part because all that team does is turn the goddamn ball over. It's like, yeah. can you please tell your like get? I don't know what you need to do, but if that team could be a decently low turnover team, then they would win. They keep. It's like unbelievable. You watch them play. It's like what what is happening? What is this offense? There, he, I don't understand it. He has enough talent that if he just played a, a controlled offense. But, you know, I understand it. He's a player. He probably doesn't want – he didn't like it when his coaches probably tried to micromanage him, so he doesn't want to do it. But you know what? It ain't working, so he might need to be a micromanager man. Right, right. <laughs> uh, you said you had some things you wanted to get to. Is there anything we haven't gotten to yet on that list? No, I, I don't even – it wasn't a list. I was just saying that well, I, can, I, mean, I can talk a, stuff. A mental list no. per se. Um, uh, let's see. Where are you on Adams Woods at this point? He had the, he had the good shooting game against SMU. Didn't follow it up with much against Wichita state. He's had two good games this year out of 10. Um, defensively, eh, not really impressing me. That that's the issue I think right now with Micah, right? Like, especially as much difficulty as this team has had defensively. If you have a guy that's a stopper, I don't mind him being on the floor, but he's not playing. I've checked, you know, checking the analytics after every game, he's playing average to below average defense uh, for the most part. And you have to wonder if you're getting to a point where you have to, to put Harvey in the starting rotation. I think I do too. Because I don't, I don't really know what Adams was is giving you overall. Now he can, yeah. again, he can, he has games. He can get make hot some from shots. three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he shot well from la- he shot well from three last year, as we know, thirty seven, I believe. But he, when he drives, he's a little undersized. He's not that athletic. Um, in this league, there's a lot of length and athleticism that can negate him when he's getting to the in, into the paint. Um, right. He needs to get better at drawing contact if he's going to be in a situation um, where he's not going to be able to overpower anybody or, or out jump anybody. I, can right. he dunk? Yes. Okay. I haven't seen it. I don't think. No, I, I don't think last it's year. Yeah, I think it's you know. Yeah, it, it, they can all they can all dunk, Justin. They can all dunk. <laughs> Doing it in a game. Uh, yeah. A little more difficult at the college level than you uh, you sometimes uh, give people credit for. I know, but he yeah. So I, I guess my 
my overall thought on him is jury's still out, but he probably he and Harvey should probably switch roles where Harvey should be getting 25 to 27 minutes and he should probably be more in the teens. Um, may, yeah. Maybe because he has that experience from last year, Brandon's leaning on him. But at this point you need, you need attack, you need quickness, you need length, you need athleticism. Um, maybe he should be in the, the Chris vote second unit, come in and just you play some half court and try to get it down low type of stuff. And and roll with the Tari and the Davenport and and uh, Keith and uh, Harvey, and then go with the you know the two point guards for most of your minutes, and then Mama Joe yeah. sprinkled in here and there, who's been I, not I, I much do, of an addition thus far. Yeah, I, I do wonder if you take at least for right now the way things are. If you take um, if you take Micah out, that definitely eliminates the ability to to move DeJulius off the ball because Keith and, and Harvey aren't handling point guard minutes for you, right? Yeah, I think so. That, I'm just talking uh, through it, like I'm just you yeah. know what I mean. Like I, I get it, I get it. Yeah, because he's a combo, and I understand that. I think though, if you if they're running Brandon's system the way that he expects it to be run, then it it shouldn't really matter who the point guard is as much as we think, um, because if if the ball's moving, then once the the Julius can bring the ball up and make the first pass, but then you can run some stuff off of that. And I feel like if Keith is playing, you know, playing within the system, and same with Harvey and then the ball can find a Julius at times for some catch and shoots, but yeah, it's hard. It's still, it's still not ideal that you don't have another guy that can draw the drawn dish. Like you need to, to get it to him. You have to have like a bunch of ball movement, which at times you see this offense. It's just like, look at all this crisp passing. And then it's like, nothing's open. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, cool. That was some fun passing. Where's the good luck. We moved the defense, but we didn't yeah. go anywhere with it. <laughs> oh boy. All right. Well, that's about all I've got. We, we've squeezed 45 minutes out of uh, no games. So, yeah. yay us. <laughs> yeah, man. All we need, all we need, we could do 45 minutes on Harvey if he throws one down in one of these games coming up. I'll do 45 minutes on that. I mean, that's the, you know, <laughs> he hasn't started to come around until he, he gets a dunk. And then uh, once he gets a dunk, then, you know. Yeah. Then all of a sudden he's uh, all conference. I'll level. write an article about him. I'll do, you know, by the way, it's funny. Cause um, there's just, there's so little to grasp onto with this team that of course, like there was an, my dad told me there was an inquire article about him today. And I know Williams wrote about him and it's like, it's like, you know, Oh, could he be <laughs> like, he had a few, okay, pretty good games. You know, he I'd be four for four from three and it was good. And he's been pretty efficient and stuff, but it's like, there's just not a whole lot else. So you got to just be like, Ooh, maybe all right, here's, here's his potential. Here's his story. Let's try to, let's see if we can jinx him too. That's why I don't, wanna, <laughs> I don't write any articles about individual players anymore. Cause every time I do it, it just, it F's them. I remember there was one, I think it was, was it Jacob or somebody went like real cold from three 
actually no i what it was it was i interviewed jacob and i was like asking about how he it was his sophomore year how did you improve on your three because he was like 40 percent, and i swear he went like one for his next 16 i felt like i felt felt guilty (laughs) i was like i'm never asking anybody anything like that ever again oh that's the best oh also um i want real quick uh just for business wise, I, I wanted to um, I wanted to shout out a uh, a fellow BCJ business owner, BCJ member slash business owner. Okay. Um, he uh, his name's Anatole. He owns Out on a Limb. It's a tree company, and we've made a little relationship. We've been starting to send each other business. Um, so if you have any trees that need cut down, or I do like or like uh, I do trees that are growing over your roof and you need like branches cut off or gr- stumps ground. Uh, out on a limb they're, they're located in blue ash but they do the tri-state area and they're they're really good uh, reasonable prices anatole's the man um he's he's a diehard uc fan he loves to, to to rap about it when we when we when we talk but um yeah so learn, learn about his business there's i know there's always tree work and he would love to talk to I, you I, I have one that that needs to come down i, I okay. tried to get you to do that one too and you don't do trees no but so. he does they do. They've been yeah. around for over 20 years, I believe, and uh, solid company. So, yeah, I've been sending them stuff. They've been sending me stuff. So, out on a limb. Let me know, and we'll uh, ask him if he works for uh, advertising. <laughs> <laughs> he might. Because I, 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 I have a large tree that needs – it's it's dead. It's dead inside. I have a large tree that needs to come down, and the stump will probably have to go in the whole nine yards. Yeah, so uh, I'll do it. I'll do it. If you're listening – Anatol, <laughs> hit me up. We, we need to talk. We need to talk. I'm in. I'm an independent, so it's quite a haul from Blue Ash. But you know, yeah, They'll, he'll send his people out there. They'll take care of it. If he wants to come hang out while they do the work, we'll uh, we'll talk, and I'll I'll give him all the juicy inside scoops. Yeah, that's that. That'd probably be a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> the, the ones you can't get this year because you can't be around the team. Yeah, that part stinks. I we're allowed around if they're in open air outside. So I've been contemplating, you know, can you guys just practice outside so I can Yeah. It's, it's 34 degrees outside, but you know. Might help this team. They needed to develop some <laughs> kind of toughness. What what stinks what stinks more though, that or the fact that Xavier keeps hitting buzzer beaters? God. I hate like how I find out too. It's like, did you know Xavier hit a buzzer beater today? Like, what? And then the guy who hit it, the last one, I was like, who is he? He hit it? I don't even know who that is. God. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Multiple. They've already hit a million in their life and they always hit every one they ever need and they get every call and bounce and then they still do them. Seriously, they got some kind of, I don't know what they're. They got a rabbit foot stuck up their ass. <laughs> Yeah, maybe a few of them. Jesus. <laughs> I was going to say, like, the other day when, when UC lost, it was, like, not a good day to be a Xavier-hating Bearcat fan. No. No. Not a good – yeah. But hopefully, you know what? Hey, hope they have an awesome season and then the tournament gets canceled. That'd be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> give your Leah's plug. You haven't given your Leah's plug yet today. No, I, I, I forfeited it. I just wanted to give uh, out on a limb the plug for this. Well, I, you can still – you can still have yours too. I'll allow it. All right. Leah's landscaping.com. L I A S landscaping. 
hit us up. We'll get you set up for the year. We're, we're starting to meet with some people in February in January and February to get stuff set up for, for 2021. But for the most part, we're just resting our bodies right now. Getting a little time off. Yes, sir. All right. Well, plenty of time for articles then about nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, Zach Harvey can make an article with one dunk. With one dunk, he gets an article. He does not get <laughs> He does not get the Justin Berg treatment with layups on fast breaks. No. Not all right, brother. Well, we appreciate it. Thanks for stopping in, as always. Hopefully, uh, next time we have you on, there'll be games to talk about because uh, this is tough without games. <laughs> it, it takes me back to takes me back to March and April and May when it was like, oh boy, yeah. What do we do? What a content company covering uh, a, a specific layer of content that the content doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Bless Brent's heart, man, for doing the game previews of games that aren't going to happen. And he's uh, been, I don't, I don't envy him right now. Um, he's doing a bang up job though, man. I'm proud of you, Brent. He, he's been very uh, reliant on me. Like, Hey, is this thing going to happen? So I don't have to sit down and write this preview. No, no, no. Listen, keep writing them because that's how you get better. It's like uh, on Family Guy when uh, they were talking about going out to eat and, and Lois is like, oh, finally, I get a night off from cooking. And Peter goes, no, 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 no. You cook. We'll throw it out. We don't want you to get rusty. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is, Brent. You got That's how you get better. You get them, get them reps. Got to keep practicing your craft, right? Yep. All <laughs> right. Well, thanks, Berg. Special yeah. thanks to our, our our title sponsor, the Holy Grail. Uh, if you can, get down to the Grail, get you some beers, get you some uh, some Reuben wontons. What's your are you What's your go to at the Grail, Berg? I've only been like twice. I've never eaten. Uh, you're just there for the uh, for the the spirits. I don't know. I'm just there because I've only been there a few times, and it was just because other people were there. And I'm not a really big bar goer these days in my age i mean neither am i but i can't pl- i can't I, I i have no idea what they serve for food do you like you like uh rubens they have reuben wontons that are pretty good eh, not really not a reuben doesn't guy sound, doesn't sound appealing to me at all they're that's kelly's go-to kelly is uh kelly is more than happy with the appetizer order of reuben wontons uh, okay that, that, that take knocks her out the wings are good pizza's good burgers are good they got a good philly cheesesteak Mm. Uh, Kelly's big on their uh she likes blueberry beer. Ooh. With the blueberries in it. So you get Ugh. the you get the blueberries soaked in beer that you get to eat at the end. Wow. Little, Never even thought extra. that was a thing. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, blueberry beer is kind of a kind of a big thing. Huh. Okay. It's more of a summer beer. But I think they serve it year they serve it year round. So you can get it whenever you go. Okay. Next well, time you I, go, get yourself. I probably a will beer. never go to the Grail, maybe ever again. So, no plug for them well, from me. <laughs> Justin, they are the title sponsor. I know you saying I'll probably never be there is is not great for business. It's just because it's a bar, though. I don't oh, know when I will go to a bar. Maybe you go to a Reds game and you go to the Holy Grail. Yeah, that's true. Or maybe I'll go to a Bearcats watch party when people can be around each other again in like right. five years. And I'll, Maybe six. I'll, get, I'll get you some food. Okay. You, can, you can give the grail a try. There. Say you'll, that point, never, 
Don't yeah. say he'll never be there again. That's I, I said mean, probably. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think we've I think we've talked you out of it. <laughs> See how easy that was, people. If you're thinking you're never going to go to the Holy Grail, all you just—it's easy to talk you out of it. Get your ass to the Grail. Support those who support us. Yes. Much like Leah's landscaping and the tree people that are going to come take care of this monster in my front yard that's about to fall on my house. Out on a limb. Out on a limb. All right, <laughs> that wraps it up. Thanks to Dave Simone. Thanks to Justin Berg. We'll see you next time. It is. The BCJ podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com.